Are you ready to embrace a little stillness? Some rest for your soul today. Welcome to the Sweet Sela Moments Podcast, where we stop and study God's words and encourage one another to know Him better and love Him more. The Sweet Sela Moments Podcast is brought to you by Word Radio and Sweet Sela Ministries. Welcome to the Sweet Sela Moments Podcast. Today, on episode 57, we're going to talk about the greatness of a servant's heart. Sharon, I love how Jesus emphasizes that if we want to be great in his kingdom, we need to be a servant. I'm excited to see this reflected in Nehemiah's life. But first, do you have any stories of great people being servant-hearted in your past? A very nice question. I'm actually (laughs) going to start with uh, someone that I don't know personally. And I'm not talking politics here. I'm just saying President Jimmy Carter could have finished presidenting and gone back to his peanut farm and done nothing. And that is not what he did. He has worked with Habitat for Humanity forever, building houses himself. Oh, wow. I I remember a picture of him in his 90s, uh, maybe 89, 90. I mean, super not young anymore, (laughs) still doing it himself. And I just, I love that sort of lead by example kind Mm. of servanthood. And he really did. And our pastors are the same way in our church. We've got the pastor that can work on your car. And we've got the pastors that time after time, we are the movingest church. (laughs) I feel like every week someone's moving. It's true. (laughs) And our pastors are there. I can remember one move that Ray and I helped uh, somebody make. And we could not get the washer and dryer out ourselves and some other people that were supposed to come did not. Yeah. And so I called in a panic. Do you know two pastors were over within half oh an hour? Goodness. Instead That's of so finding sweet. someone else, they just came themselves. Right. Oh, I love that. It's just it's just wonderful. It's just yeah. really impressive. It's so heartwarming to see our leadership right there with everyone else pounding the nails on the mm-hmm. new gym floor or pouring <laughs> the concrete or moving the washing machine. Yeah. <laughs> I love the upside down kingdom Jesus commands for us. Mm. None of us are above changing a messy diaper or cleaning up a spill. Right. None of us. Yeah. How about you? Any, oh. inf- any examples? <laughs> I was just remembering when the pastors, I had four babies, so I was in the hospital quite a bit with them. <laughs> and eat, they all came and visited when Aww. we had the new baby. And one of them isn't particularly fond of newborns. And he came in and he even held her. And that his wife told me later, oh yeah, he's not a big fan of babies. I'm like, oh, that was so sweet. He came to see me though and that held is. my sweet and told me she was beautiful, even if he maybe didn't feel it. <laughs> that was sweet and they sent flowers to the hospital just very wow and that's usually you know men don't really love to get excited about babies no, in a no. hospital but they came and visited and they i thought did. that was so sweet i love that yeah and then one of my dentists i used to assist would come back into the sterilization area where we would process and wrap the instruments to be sterilized and he would be back there wrapping instruments and wow. processing the instruments yeah. and then he would even come back into the lab and pour up the dental mold, which is very messy work, but he didn't feel like he was above it. And no, even though he was the boss, he was still back there doing. I love that. I, I, I did too. I appreciated yeah, that. Yeah, really nice. Something about the leader, quote, getting their hands dirty with you yes. makes you want to do the work more. Yes. Right? It's very encouraging. Yeah, it is. Well, here we are with Nehemiah doing exactly that. He came to Jerusalem with a full authority of the greatest king at that time to boss people around if he'd mm. wanted to, right? Yeah. 
He had letters of introduction. He had permission to build a house and get the wall project done. He sure could have lorded it over everyone and marched around making mm. them work, oh, right? Yeah. But we've already seen that he didn't. He was working with them the whole time. He didn't change his clothes either, like we talked about last (laughs) week. So last week we studied the wall building, but right in the middle of the wall building, another problem arose. Today, we're going to look at Nehemiah chapter 5 and see servant leadership at its finest. Mm. So, Nicole, let's read verse by verse. You start with the first one and and we'll go back and forth. All right. So, Nehemiah chapter 5, verse 1. About this time, some of the men and their wives raised a cry of protest against their fellow Jews. They were saying, we have such large families, we need more food to survive. Others said, we have mortgaged our fields, vineyards, and homes to get food during the famine. And others said, we have had to borrow money on our fields and vineyards to pay our taxes. We belong to the same family as those who are wealthy, and our children are just like theirs. Yet we must sell our children into slavery just to get enough money to live. We have already sold some of our daughters, and we are helpless to do anything about it, for our fields and vineyards are already mortgaged to others. When I heard their complaints, I was very angry. After thinking it over, I spoke out against these nobles and officials. I told them, you are hurting your own relatives by charging interest when they borrow money. Then I called a public meeting to deal with the problem. At the meeting, I said to them, we are doing all we can to redeem our Jewish relatives who have had to sell themselves to pagan foreigners, but you are selling them back into slavery again? How often must we redeem them? (laughs) And they had nothing to say in their defense. Hmm. Then I pressed further. What are you doing? What you are doing is not right. Should you not walk in the fear of our God in order to avoid being mocked by enemy nations? I myself, as well as my brothers and my workers, have been lending the people money and grain. Hmm. But now let us stop this business of charging interest. You must restore their fields, vineyards, olive groves, and homes to them this very day and repay the interest you charged them when you lent them money, grain, new wine, and olive oil. They replied, we will give back everything and demand (laughs) nothing more from the people. Wow. The sigh was mine, but don't you feel like they were like, okay. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We will do as you say. Then I called the priests and made the nobles and officials swear to do what they Mm, had promised. Good idea. Mm -hmm. I shook out the folds of my robe and said, if you fail to keep your promise, may God shake you like this from your homes and from your property. The whole, oop, that's still your part. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Someone enthralled with his uh, description there. I know. The whole assembly responded, amen, and they praised the Lord. And the people did as they had promised. For the entire 12 years that I was governor of Judah, from the 20th year to the 32nd year of the reign of King Artaxerxes, (laughs) neither I nor my officials drew on our official food allowance. Hmm. The former governors, in contrast, had laid heavy burdens on the people, demanding a daily ration of food and wine, besides 40 pieces of silver. Even their assistants took advantage of the people. But because I feared God, I did not act this way. I also devoted myself to working on the wall and refused to acquire any land. And I required all my servants to spend time working on the wall. Hmm. I asked for nothing, even though I regularly fed 150 Jewish officials at my table, besides all the visitors from other lands. The provisions I paid for each day included one ox, 
six choice sheep or goats, and a large number of poultry. And every 10 days, we needed a large supply of all kinds of wine. Yet I refused to claim the governor's food allowance because the people already carried a heavy burden. Remember, oh my God, all the things I have done for these people and bless me for it. Oh my goodness, Nicole. (laughs) I'm still stuck back where they were selling their daughters because they'd already mortgaged their lands and they had nothing else to... What? I know. I can't even. That kills me. I think because both of us are mothers of all daughters, (laughs) this especially tugs at our hearts, you know? The thought of being so in debt that you have to sell your kids for food is just heartbreaking. And it's even harder to read that it was happening in families, that this was all being done to their very own relatives. I know. know. I know. Unbelievable. It's like telling your cousin, well, I guess you're going to have to sell your daughter in order to eat and she'll eat because she'll be a slave of someone else. It's, I have nieces and I love them like my own kids and I can't, if they were in trouble, I would do all I could to help them. Yeah. So that little phrase after they talk about that part where Nehemiah goes, I was very angry. I'm like, oh yeah. It's an understatement. What? Yeah, this is not good. No. (laughs) So we're going to look at this passage, and we're going to divide it into three sections. One, the complaint. (laughs) Two, the solution. And then three, the part about servanthood, really, the leading by example. Mm. So, But we're going to start with the complaint. Nicole, what seems to be the problem here? (laughs) Where to start? (laughs) So it seems the problem is that these poor families are growing in numbers and they're really struggling here and they can't get ahead at all because they're so far in debt that they have nothing left to pay or exchange for food. Their relatives and people buying them and loaning them money are charging them interest too. So they really have no hope of getting out of this dire situation. No, they don't. If they're everything's mortgaged, yeah. they're stuck. They, they really are. It's, it's so sad when this happens and the wealthy get wealthier mm. and the poor have no chance to redeem themselves because they have nothing from which to work. Right. And we see that in our own country. If you yeah. don't own a home, then how do you have anything to leave your children to help life right. be a little better? And, you know, it it gets more and more disparate unless we mm. find a way to help those that are poorer at least have a leg up so yes. that they have equal ground in which to start. It's really hard. So yeah, anyways, okay. So Nehemiah, of course, hears this story and comes up with point number two, <laughs> the solution. Mm. <laughs> I really love verses six and seven. When I heard their complaints, I was very angry. <laughs> After thinking it over, I spoke out against these nobles and officials. <laughs> I love, Nehemiah is mentoring me, basically, mm. you know, as I'm listening, because he's telling what's happening, but he's also telling me what he's thinking and how he's dealing with it. Yeah. So I love that when Nehemiah's anger was apparent to him, I was mm. very angry. I'm like, I was mad as all get out. Right. His first response to it was, think. Because mm. I'm very angry after thinking it over. So first he's angry, (laughs) and then instead of responding and reacting in anger, which, Mm -hmm. oh, I might have done a time or seven, (laughs) he thinks about it. Stunning. Yeah. Yeah, He's so wise. Mm -hmm. But then I also love how forceful he is. Mm. He talks to them first alone, so they know what's coming at the public meeting. But then he has a public meeting, and he calls out the wealthy on this big time. Mm. They've already been talked to. He spoke out to the nobles. Then he calls the public meeting, and he calls them out publicly. 
he very much tells them off. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like the problem was not paying back the original amounts. It Mm. was the exorbitant interest on the amounts that they charged and all that they kept getting in interest. The guys couldn't even pay on the principal. They're paying the interest. Right. He's out and out angry with them. They're your own people. Good grief. Mm -hmm. Stop (laughs) being greedy and take care of each other. He must have been a very powerful and persuasive speaker because they had nothing to say in their own defense. Yeah, I noticed that. There was no debate or back and forth. Right. They accepted his words and that was like, wow, we have been, we've behaved badly. Yes, we have. And they meekly said that they'd give the interest back and more because that's Mm. part of the solution. Mm -hmm. So here's the rest of it. Nehemiah says, now let us stop this business of charging interest. You must restore their fields, vineyards, olive groves, and homes to them this very day and repay the interest you charged when you lent the money, grain, new wine, and olive oil. And they replied, we will give back everything and demand nothing more. Oh, mm, yay. That's a sweet relief to them. I know. Well, they had all the stuff. They right. don't need anything more. Right. Goodness. <laughs> um, we will do as you say. Then I called the priests and made the nobles swear to what they promised. Part of the solution is holding their little feet to the fire or their fingers to the, (laughs) not a pen. What did they have back then? Hmm. A quill. Quills? Yeah. I don't know. I shook out the folds of my robe and said, if you fail to keep your promise, may God shake you like this. (laughs) Good gravy. I love that. He was a very good people, like he was a good speaker and a good motivational and good like, um, what are those called? Analogies and... Yeah, visual. Yes. <laughs> there was a visual. Do you see what I'm doing? I'm shaking my right. robe. May God shake you like this if you don't do what you say. I love that. I might use it with my kids tonight. <laughs> Just kidding. Probably not. I love this is give you a visual. Yes. <laughs> and the whole assembly responded, amen. But then they praised the Lord. Oh, yeah. So that's interesting, too. Despite huh. his anger, they must have known he loved them. I mean, mm. he's been working with them. He said, we've already talked about it. He knew all their names right. and all this stuff. Very and he did talk to them leader. privately first. Yes. I so, think that was really important. I do, too. He was a good people person. Yeah. And the fact that they praised the Lord afterward, they could see he was speaking on God's behalf or he was speaking with his heart close to God. He wasn't just telling them what he thought. I think that's why they received it so well. Yes. Also. I agree. Because they didn't stomp off and pout. Right. Oh, that Nehemiah, who does he think he is? You know. Yeah. They they agreed. They said, we'll give it all back. We won't demand anything more. So they instantly become heroes, right? In the public assembly. The people are like... Thank you, thank you. (laughs) And so then they praise the Lord. Mm. What a sweet ending. I know. A lot of arguments don't end that well. No. Yeah. So, all right. So he was pretty courageous when he saw that wrongdoing, Mm. right? He was. I'm not always that courageous when I see something that's wrong. You know, he was both bold and persuasive, and I, mm. I need to be more like that. I, 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 I think I can be persuasive when I want to be, but I have to be persuasive about the hard things too. You oh, know, I hear you. Not just the easy things. So. Yeah, I know. I, I want to think I could stand up for injustice and be ready if it's in my power, but it, it can be scary to go against a large crowd. And that's what he did. Yeah, yeah. and they yeah. were all the wealthier, more influential people too. Mm-hmm. So they had power to probably make his life pretty miserable if, if they, they didn't agree with him. him. Right. Yeah, and that's intimidating. It is. <laughs> and he did it. Yeah. But I love how he offered a good solution and he presented them with the problem. And instead of him just getting angry and kind of yelling about the problem, he presented them with a solution as well. That as was a way very to get smart. out of it. He's very yeah. smart. He really is. Yeah, I think that was great that he did that. 
Yeah. You know, I'm thinking of an incident. I could give you so many when I didn't speak up when I should have, but mm. I can think of one in particular. It was a woman I didn't know that well. Yeah. And uh, she had a little boy that she'd taken into her home who was not behaving well. Mm. I think he had had a bad background. So he's kind of a foster child. Yeah. And he, she'd yelled at him to the point where he was laying curled up and crying. Oh, my goodness. And then she brought me in and said, look at him, this sniveling mess. This is why he's like this, because he didn't do these things. And I can remember feeling so uncomfortable, Nicole, because I didn't want to hear it. Mm -hmm. And I mumbled something about, well, I'm sure he'll try harder. Mm. And looking back, I have apologized to God for that more times than I need to, because he does forgive me after the first time. Why didn't I say more? I know. You know, why didn't I say, hey, 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 look at what you've done to him. Right. Or at least said, pull her out of the room and maybe not embarrassed her in front of the little boy. But I didn't respond like I should have. I was not courageous when I needed to be. Mm. Nehemiah would have been bolder. He, I don't know what he would have said, but he <laughs> wouldn't have shaking been shaking his robes at her. <laughs> I, know. I know, and I was so intimidated by not wanting to offend her. Oh yeah, right. Yep. Because you don't want to interfere with someone's parenting, and yeah. she was clearly mad. Right. You know, but I never even went back to her later. Mm. You know, Direct and effect. thought it over and said something else. So, anyways, that's just one example in many where a little more courage would have been good. Sharing. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So. There we go. <laughs> All right. So we've looked at the complaint and the solution that Nehemiah demanded. Now let's look at how he leads by example. Nicole, there's so many ways he led by example. I know. Can you, can you full of talk, talk us through that? <laughs> so going back through those verses, um, we can see Nehemiah living out the very plan he was telling the people to follow. Again, he was that good servant leader and doing it and not just telling them what to do. Yes. Um, as an official, he was allotted a daily food ration that the people would supply, but he didn't take this. And instead, he had been lending his own money and grain to the people. So in contrast, the former leaders had been very greedy and demanded their daily ration of food and wine and a large amount of money from them, even though the people were struggling. Um, and then again, we see Nehemiah out there working on the wall right yeah. along with the people. And, and he had servants. his own servants. Yeah. He didn't like, wow, you guys stay here and get my house. You know, he didn't take care of his own needs. He had, he gave everything. I love it. Yeah, just a really great servant leader there. And then, I love this, he fed nearly 150 Jews at his table, even all the visitors that happened by. <laughs> Can you imagine the table? Is that figurative? Like, like, was it all at once or in groups? I That's know. a lot of people. Or maybe at the table means in his big dining hall. Maybe. It's so fascinating Very to me. fascinating. Yeah. And he didn't just like give him bread and wine. Like he, they, they list his grocery bill as it were back then. And he listed an ox and six choice goats and sheep and lots of chickens. Like he fed them well. He did. <laughs> he did. I'm so impressed. Not just the leftovers, yeah. right? Yeah. And I'm wondering, where did the money come from? It doesn't, I was wondering that. It doesn't mention he had a wife and kids. No. So maybe he just used his own personal money. That's what I was thinking. Maybe the king, King Xerxes, sent him with some... I don't know. Maybe he had saved up money during his right. time there. I right. don't know if he was employed or yeah. enslaved as a king's cupbearer. I don't either. But. Because he obviously had a private fund that right. he wasn't taking 
the governor's pension that he could have right. taken. But he was still able to feed lots of people and give yeah. money. So he must have had something he saved up. He must have had something I mean, saved up. he's not a dumb guy. I bet he had some money you know tucked what? away. You know what? Nehemiah, he probably <laughs> he had a planned plan. carefully yeah. and t- whatever little salary he got. And, I bet he did. Yeah, and traded for things and sold them at a great... I don't know. Nehemiah figured it out. I'm yeah. sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we're not privy to that. To his but. financial situation, but I'm sure he was quite wise with it. <laughs> but I just love how he's like, no, I see you guys are giving all you can. Yeah. I'm not asking for anything. Mm. And boy, who do you want to follow more as a leader? Oh, yeah. Right? He's getting his hands dirty with them. He's sweating in his clothing, right. building the wall with them. Right. His servants are all working, like you said, not for him, right. but for the good of the community. And he's feeding people. I know. I love that. And the visitors that just happened to come in, he just fed them. I know. And maybe that's one reason when he lectured the wealthy people alone and then together, that they really had nothing to say. Mm. You know, they couldn't say, well, look at you. You're getting the governor's pension and you're charging 40 pieces of silver beside. Right. But he wasn't. Yeah, he was he was just giving out of his own stuff. That's true. They had no they had no argument because yeah. he'd been living it. I know. Yeah. So that's a servant leader. It is. Jesus oh, loves servant leaders. He so does. even though Nehemiah's sort of cursings at some of these people <laughs> might not have been Jesus' cup of tea, right? But um, I think that the God must have been so pleased mm, with his servant heart absolutely. in so so many ways. So all right, we're going to now go to the New Testament and look at a couple of passages that underline this idea of servanthood in leadership. Mm. And I'm going to have you do the first one, and then I'll do the second to finish up, because this is important. We're all, yeah. if we're a mother, we're a leader of our kids, right? Mm. If, um, you know, in almost every situation, we lead somebody. Oh, yeah. So oh, I think it applies good. to most of us at some point. Absolutely. So yeah. let's see what Jesus says about it. Let's see that. <laughs> You're not just Nehemiah, who's flawed and human. So we're, I'm going to read Mark 10, 35, 35 through 45. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came over and spoke to him. Teacher, they said, we want to ask, we, uh, we want you to do us a favor. What is your request? He asked. They replied, when you sit on your glorious throne, we want to sit in places of honor next to you, one on your right and the other on your left. But Jesus said to them, you don't know what you are asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I am about to drink? Are you able to be baptized with the baptism of suffering I must be baptized with? Oh, yes, they replied, we are able. (laughs) Then Jesus told them, you will indeed drink from my bitter cup and be baptized with my baptism of suffering. But I have no right to say who will sit on my right or my left. God has has prepared those places for the ones he has chosen. When the 10 other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. So Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people, and the officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. How beautiful. Of course, here we have the perfect example. We do. Of the greatness of a servant's heart in Jesus. He was the ultimate servant king, and everything he did on earth and the way he lived was such a great example of that. Um, He said that his whole life was a ransom, a sacrifice meant to be poured out. That's amazing when you really think about it, Sharon. Like his whole life was meant to give yeah. away. Yeah. Goodness, I have a hard time giving away a whole hour to someone else sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
so <laughs> selfish. <laughs> I do too, especially if it's that hour after lunch when I finally get to sit. Yes, and the like, phone no. rings, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I don't want to answer it. I want my time. Yes, and he poured out his life continually. He did. Yep. He didn't. I mean, he did, he lay on the ground to sleep. He didn't mm. have a house. He never, of course, had a family other right. than his disciples. He just poured it out. Yeah, the ultimate example. Yeah, yeah. And if you read some of the, especially Mark. Mark mm. is Mark is the action guy. Yeah. And you just see Jesus <laughs> doing all this action, you know. And then there were blind men. And then Peter's mother-in-law needed healing. Right. And then there was a demon-possessed person. And then there were, I mean, he just poured out in healing yeah. over and over again, too. Morning till night some mm. days. Bible said he was so busy, he didn't have time to eat. Oh, my goodness. And yeah. he continued to serve as there were, were needs. Mm. So I just... I love Jesus in so many yeah. ways. And the humility of our Lord is oh, yeah. stunning. No wonder he has now been raised to the highest place. Right, right? because of his humility. Oh, wow. So. so beautiful. All right. Well, I've got one more, and it's from Ephesians 5, verses 25 through 29. And um, it picks up, we're talking about um, husband and wife relationships. Mm. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church, without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she, the church, will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. Hmm. You know, Ray always tells me, I have the harder job. (laughs) Supposedly, I'm in charge, and I'm supposed to always let you win, always put your needs before my own, always make sure that you are fully everything God made you to Mm. be, so you're presented without spot or blemish. This is not a big thrill, Sharon. You're in charge. Now take care of Sharon and and make her all she's meant to be. (laughs) Right. So poor guy. So cute. He's so fun. That's sweet. He's supposed to care about my needs and love me as if I was his own flesh. Wow, yeah. And to not want any harm to befall me. Instead, wanting my best at all times so I can be all God wanted me to be. I'll tell you a real practical way Ray does this. Yeah. He hates it when I'm gone. Mm. He hates it. He wants me home with him. He's a homebody. He wants me home. And yet I have felt called to this ministry, and part of that is speaking places. And when we talked about it, he said, I don't like it, but I believe it's what you're supposed to do. This is how God wired you. This is what God's called you to. So you go. That's so sweet. Yeah, that's, that's a sacrificial, sacrificial love. Yes, exactly. It really is. Not demanding or saying, well, this is what I would like or would rather have. So that is sweet. So he is doing what he needs to he do. He is. He's good really job, good Ray. at it. Aww. I love him. <laughs> yep. God calls husbands to serve their wives. Mm. Any idea that husbands being head of the home gives them the right to be bossy <laughs> is turned on its head with this passage yeah. and Jesus' example. All of us are to practice servant leadership. Absolutely. We lead from a position of humility. We lead from a position of 
helping those we're in charge of. Mm. It's so different. It's so counterintuitive. And even oh, yeah. in the Christian church, you know, it's easy for men to get this wrong. Yes. Hey, I'm oh, in charge yeah. here. You know, <laughs> uh, yeah, but you're in charge so you can serve your wife. Exactly. Right? Yeah. It's a little different. So, I know. <laughs> so what about mothering? Yeah, there's, I think there's a lot of that servanthood leadership role too because I don't just tell my girls what to do. I have to show them too. So there's a humbleness in, okay, you do this and you do that and you, you know, but getting down and and showing them how to do the things and showing them how to live. And even in my own walk with God, showing them the mommy made a big mistake and showing them how I come to God and ask for forgiveness and modeling that relationship. Um, That was hard at first to be you know, that vulnerable. vulnerable. Yeah, because right, you feel right. like as a mom, you have to have it kind of all together for your uh-huh. kids. And yeah. um, they can clearly see I don't. So <laughs> I might as well be honest with the going back to God part. <laughs> yes. Well, that's better because as, as they get older, they'll, they'll spot the flaws. So if yeah. you're, you're like, hey, I already told you. Right. <laughs> we all know we have flaws. My girls and I have actually, I've said this before, had fun kind of picking apart some of my flaws as a mother oh, no. so that they would be better mothers. Oh, you know, and, and I, I join in it. I'm like, yeah, I was so harsh, you know, in this area. Right. And I love how you girls aren't, you know? So, um, that's fun though. That takes some confidence in God. I'm like, I don't know if I'm super excited about doing that quite yet. (laughs) It took me a while. I kind of like them looking up to me stage, you know, that was really fun. But realistically, I'm a sinner and I did not parent them perfectly. And they won't parent perfectly either. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So let's learn. Yeah. Let's learn. Let's take the things um, where I could have done better and let's Mm. learn from it. Absolutely. And in the servanthood of mothering too, it's nice to have that like companionship with God. You know what I mean? Because there is so much of, we pour out so much of ourselves for our kids and, you know, we give up even more for them. And, you know, some, even our older kids, if they're going through a struggle, you're Mm going to drop things and go help out your daughters, even if they are mothers themselves. Absolutely. So in that serving, we, I feel closer to God because he also served and he poured out and he can fill us so that we're not always just, you know, empty. Right. Because he understands that role of the busy and the, especially as a mama from sun up to oh, sundown some days, we don't have time to eat. So to right. know that Jesus knew that gives me like, oh, you see me right you now me. as I'm eating yes. goldfish and running out the door to pick up my kids <laughs> late. Like you see me, God, right. and you love me. <laughs> yes. You see me as I'm cleaning up the third spilled milk of the day. Yes. <laughs> Give me patience. I know they're just growing and their little fingers are longer than they thought they were. Right. <laughs> You know, but that's it can be so hard to be patient. And then yeah. mama does a lot of cleaning up spills. So right? many spills, yeah. And yeah. now puppy messes too. Yeah. So it just keeps going. And then you be <laughs> then you become a Nina and you're still cleaning and up. And they're spills. back with more messes. <laughs> you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> when oh, do I get to true. rest? Right. <laughs> How about heaven? <laughs> exactly. And actually when I think about it, when I get to rest is when I'm I'm not gonna be able to move my body. Oh, you know, right. and people will have to serve me then. And I'm not in a hurry to get to that stage. No, I'm with you there. Yeah. Let's keep moving a little yeah. longer. <laughs> right, right. So, oh my. Oh. Well, well, friends, <laughs> we're going to pray now as we continue to think about what it means to be really great in God's eyes mm. by servanthood. So let's pray. Oh, Lord, you are such a great example mm. as you, Jesus, left heaven to walk among us and to feel what we feel and to to suffer sleeping on hard ground and being thirsty and hungry and exhausted. We honor you. 
you are worthy of the highest place. Help us when we want to lord it over others, because it's a human tendency. Help us to serve and to know that we are following right in your footsteps, you who washed dirty disciples' feet uh, when we serve. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining our chatter today, friend. We hope it has challenged you to lead by serving in your own sphere of influence. You can find us at sweetsela.org slash podcast if you want to share your thoughts with us. If you want to become a podcast partner and get our monthly email letters, donate any recurring amount at sweetsela.org slash donations and write podcast partner in the comments. We'll see you next week for episode 58, Finishing Well. God bless you as you serve in his kingdom. We are so glad you stopped for a while with us. The Sweet Sela Moments podcast is a cooperative production of Word Radio and Sweet Sela Ministries. More information about this podcast can be found at sweetsela.org. Thank you for joining us.